This is Game Designed Unboxed, inspiration to publication on the No Direction Network. Danielle, Denise, and Ben interview tabletop designers on the games they've made. Together, they unbox how a game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, and Ben for Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 18, Stripes. Today, we are joined by Maxine Eckel, designer of Think Ahead, High and Low Poker, Dual Value Playing Cards, and Stripes. Maxine is one of the co-organizers for Chicago's Protospiel and co-owner of Clever Playing Cards. Welcome to the show, Maxine. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, we're so excited to have you. Completely agree. And just to get started, we normally ask, how did you get into the gaming industry, especially as it goes with design? Well, um, it started with the dual value playing cards that um, I was a stay at home mom after the twins were born and um, just kind of wanted to keep my brain active and, and do something. And uh, Randy and I came up with an idea for um, coming up with card games where you could put two decks of cards together and you'd have a primary value and a secondary value. And can we, you know, riff off of, um, you know, standard games, you know, what can you do with that with poker or rummy or trick taking games? And um, so while I was home, I was playing around with, you know, the graphics using Illustrator. And, uh, you know, this is all once I got the kids into school. Um, And uh, actually, I even wrote a couple of apps to, you know, play test these games. And Silly us, we thought that if you make an app and you get, you know, you can get some traction there, then people will necessarily cross over and buy your um, hard copy game. But I, I think that our family was an anomaly that we did both electronic games and physical games. So, you know, we kind of learned something there. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was trying to put pitch this game. Uh, I went to um, Mary Cousins event, uh, Shy Tag, and I met a lot of publishers, um, but nobody was really interested in the dual value playing cards. And I started, um, I talked to Scott Brown. I don't know if you remember Marbles, the brain store. Oh, yeah, I definitely do. I missed yeah. that. It was in Naperville. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were in uh, the, a few malls. I think they were. Yeah, they were big, and then they disappeared. Yeah. I don't know if they did. They go out of business. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I, I think they uh, ended up getting bought out by somebody. I don't know who, but I I showed it to Scott Brown, and you know, he just said these look too much like regular cards. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I took that back home and started playing. It's like, how can I, I love cards? You know, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm just looking for the ultimate card game. And um, I was like, what can I do with cards that don't look with card look, look like cards. And that was like the beginning of stripes that I, you know, started playing around and just putting stripes different colored stripes on a card and you know they would 
um, crisscross and, you know, just kind of playing around with that. And it, it took a, it took a while, but, uh, it came up with a game and we decided, you know, we needed play testers. So I don't know how, what I was searching for online, but I found Protospiel and it just happened. The Milwaukee one was coming up in a couple of weeks and I mentioned it to Randy, my husband, and uh, it's like, yeah, let's go. And we just had the best time ever. And we got so much wonderful feedback and, you know, such a welcoming community. And uh, so then I just ran with stripes and I, you know, blessed all the protospielers. They, they kept seeing it for a couple of years. <laughs> But it just kept improving. It was wonderful. So for anyone who doesn't know what Protospiel is, would you mind just telling them? Oh, not at all. Um, so Protospiel is a um, like a weekend convention where game designers get together and play each other's designs, where, you know, whether they're just like the beginning of an idea or they're pretty well polished, but you, you get together and you play, play test your games and give each other feedback. And um, it's just a wonderful collaborative weekend and, and you get so much uh, great play testing done then. So um, as I said, you know, I uh, we had such a great time in Milwaukee and I'm trying to think that was, I believe it was like 2015. And then um, Eric always has that in the spring. So we had gone at, uh, you know, in 2016 and then it's like, yeah, we should, we should bring this to Chicago. I was kind of surprised there wasn't one in Chicago. There was one in, um, Madison and, um, Indianapolis. No, Indianapolis came after Chicago. So oh, it, it was, did? um, yeah. So Chelsea, Michigan, that was the first one ever. And it's like, why isn't there one here in Chicago? So then, uh, so we, we did that and we started in, uh, 2016. So it's, it's, it's been a great experience. What did it take to start up the Chicago chapter of Protospiel? You know, (laughs) you know what, it really, it doesn't take much at all. Um, You just kind of need a venue. And you know, what was going to hold me back was um, setting up the websites. And I mean, Randy and I can do that. You know, we have enough, um, uh, skills, you know, where we could do that, but it was just the whole, oh man, selling badges and, you know, putting a website up online and, and, uh, it was a little intimidating. And, uh, that's when JT came out with tabletop events and really it's, it's just like turnkey, you know, you find a venue you um, put the information in there for um, tabletop events and, you know, you get on the Protospiel Facebook page and advertise it that way. And, and you have yourself an, a weekend convention. It, it was really not, not that bad. And, you know, Protospiel, it's um, more laid back. It, it's not as um, structured. It, I haven't been to an unpub um, but 
I, I understand that, you know, I think you, you get hours at a table, you're assigned, you know, you're going to be at this table from one to four or whatnot, but Protospiel, it's just a great big open banquet room at a hotel. And you walk around and you, you find a game that's starting up and you join in and you play that game and you give each other your feedback. And uh, when the game's done, uh, then somebody else pulls out their game or you go find another one. It's just, it's probably one of the easiest conventions to organize if, you know, if I'm being honest. I like that. Yeah. How many people attend Chicago now compared to when you started it? Um, well, I'd say now we're getting probably about 150. When we started, um, I, we were right at 100, I thought. You know, I don't know if we broke 100 or not. We'd, you know, we'd get a lot of walk-ins. Um, that, that's the one thing you can never judge is, uh, you know, the and, and it's usually playtesters that will walk in. So I'd say, yeah, from we probably started about 100. Now we're probably about 150. And that's pretty much kind of the room that I um, plan for when, when uh, reserving a space. That's great. Uh, I haven't had a chance to go to Protospiel Chicago yet, but hopefully in the coming years, I'll get a chance to do some playtesting. Well, I'm curious about stripes. Uh, How, uh, how do you play stripes? Okay. Well, stripes, um, it's uh, a very easy game. So it's all the cards have six different colored stripes on them and each player is given um, seven cards and they they're face up in front of them in a tableau and initially they're all lined up and what you're trying to do is get one colored stripe in a line all the way across your cards and you're going to do that by either shifting the position of a card or um, bringing a new card into your hand because there's 10 colors and stripe. Uh, um, yeah, there's 10 different colors, but each card only has six stripes on it. So um, to get uh, a stripe all the way across, you're going to have to either shift your cards or get in another card that has the color that you're going for. And the actions are on tiles that are in the center of the, um, the table and you're going to take turns. Um, the first person in the round will choose which action they want on the tile. So, for example, there's shift one or shift two, where you'll shift your card up or down by you know one or two stripes. There's um, a flip where you can turn your card, you know, top to bottom. Um, and then there's uh, other cards like where you draw, or you can steal from another player if you you know especially if you see that they're getting very close to you know to winning you can you know steal a card that's like uh um you know integral to their their win i will 100 percent say people have done that to me while i played that game yeah <laughs> yeah it's my favorite yeah. thing to do uh, um so and that's how you you take turns you go around and as you choose an action you turn it face down and then it gets around to the last person in the round and they will have um two actions to choose from so you choose the the tiles based on the number of players there's number of players plus one actions and um 
after, after each round, um, then the first player token will advance by one. You turn all the actions face up again, and then you just keep going around until somebody gets the one color stripe across their tableau. So Maxine, I was wondering what like the genesis of Stripes was. You mentioned uh, that it was an idea that happened upon you one day. Uh, was there any kind of thematic reason uh, that kind of drew you into, oh, I can make a game about this? Or it sounds very abstract as well. Were you just trying to make a game that had player interaction? Just, uh, yeah, really love to get into that head of yours. So I, there is no um, theme at all and. You know, maybe that was a mistake, but I, I, <laughs> I like abstract games. Yeah. So the only, yeah. So the genesis of this was um, Scott Brown saying that my card game looked too much like cards and I was trying to make something that didn't look like cards. And uh, I can still remember it. Randy and I were at a, um, we were just at a restaurant and I, you know, started drawing on a napkin and uh so we just kind of went from there. And, you know, I, I usually come up with games mechanic first and I try my hardest to do theme and it's it's just not my strength. That's so interesting. There's that stereotype that girls tend to go theme first and then mechanic. So oh. I love hearing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, break that stereotype. <laughs> <I> no. <know. laughs> Yes, but but games with themes sell better, so <laughs> I, I need help. That's fine. Yeah. They retheme things all the time. So like as soon mm -hmm. as the publisher gets it, they're like, "This game is amazing. We're going to sign it." And they're like, "Okay, so let's talk about the theme." I'm like I thought you said it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't beat strong um, mechanisms. That is that is evergreen. Well, I'm uh, wondering about the player count. Is there a sweet spot? for stripes that you like um well it, you know it really depends on the group that's playing um because some people can really get into the analysis paralysis and then you know in the higher play counts it takes a long time to get back around to your turn again so you know i i kind of like four players um but you know if you have people who are gonna play, you know, go a little bit faster, you can support the higher play counts. Plus, the, the other thing is, you don't really know um, what you're going to be left with, right? You, you can't really plan ahead at the beginning of the round, because you don't know what actions are left to you. You can, you know, you can have in your head that, oh, this would be the best one. This is, you know, I hope this one's still there. But if it's not, you know, you, you really kind of have to wait until it's your turn before you can, uh, you know, decide what to do. See, because that was going to be my question. If there is a particular strategy that you like to use for the game, or did you make a game that you really can't base a strategy like a few turns ahead? Yeah, yeah, you, you really can't uh, plan ahead on this. I like that it keeps it uh, thinking in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. sort of tactical approach. Mm -hmm. So Maxine, as you were playtesting this after the, the dual cards and all that sorts of thing, uh, what changes were seen uh, about the gameplay through playtesting and development? Can you share, like, was the initial idea pretty much 
uh, consistent throughout every iteration that you had for Stripes? Or was there maybe an about face where you decided to go in a totally different direction uh, with it at some point uh, while you were working on the game? Um, no, so actually, I think it, it stayed pretty um, true to the initial design. Um, you know, we took it to Protospiel and um, it, it was actually very well received there it, it, at the time. It, it has a good table presence, you know, so mm-hmm. people kind of look and it's like, oh, what is that? Um, but it, the initial design had um, a deck of cards other than, you know, the, the stripes tableau. People were dealt cards with their actions on them. Um, and then I don't think that went away until after it was signed. Um, I was working with, uh, you know, once it, once it got signed with breaking games, um, I was working with, um, Peter Vaughn where he would play test it out on the West coast. And I would be here in the Midwest, uh, taking it around to proto spiels. And, you know, our local design groups. And it, I just loved it. That This was the best part of, you know, it was a great collaborative process where, you know. Really cool, yeah. Uh, it was. You know, where I'm t- playtesting here and Peter's playtesting there. And then we would get on a call and talk to each other and, you know, see, how, you know, compare our different playtests. And um, it was sometime in there that, you know, we got rid of the deck of cards and it was just, okay, these are the actions, you know, there's only one available per round. And, you know, it's like, wherever, wherever you are in the round, you know, you'll, you'll get your first choice, or you're going to have to make do at the end. Um, But it was, that was a, a, a great, great experience working with Peter that way. Um, so and some other changes, uh, I know I went, we went through I think I started with five stripes on the card and we went to six and that was actually because one of the actions has you turning the cards, you know, top to bottom. Um, And that just kind of gave an advantage with, if there's five stripes on it, uh, you lining up a stripe in the middle would be, uh, the odds were better that, you know, if, if you were working on something in the middle and you can flip it around, you know, it's, it's going to stay there. Right. Nobody else Always could the really same. bother you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, well, if you go to an even number of stripes and then um, I know we also, instead of there being a stripe in every slot on the card, you know, now we have some that are blank. So even though there's, um, six stripes on a card, maybe the card only has four that are filled in. Um, So that was another change that happened uh, in the development. And I think that that was about it. I mean, it... it, uh, Okay. And then to backtrack, how did you end up finding Breaking Games as the publisher? Yeah. So again, I went back to um, Shytag, I'm trying to think when that was. It was um, 
Also, if you don't mind, you can tell what Shy Tag is. I'm not sure if anyone's ever covered it on the podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, it's sh- Chicago Toy and Game, and um, it's run. It's organized by Mary Cousin, just a, a fabulous lady. I love her. Yeah, she's the best. And she has a convention in uh, November in Chicago um, at, at uh, Navy Pier, and she brings together like so many people of the industry, you know, um, publishers and, you know, aspiring game designers and just everybody. Oh yeah. And they also go on the toy side as well. And I actually believe they use the term inventor there because it is more on the mass market side, even though a lot of the hobby market is starting to push into there. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of toy there. And uh, they also have the the toy fair on the weekend. So, I, you know, my focus was the two days, the Thursday, Friday before the toy fair opened when you have all these meetings with the um, industry. But on uh, Saturday and Sunday, there's the toy fair um, where it's just families coming in and seeing it's... Uh, yeah, they're just playing games, playing, toy, or playing right, with the toys right. and shopping for Christmas early because it's yes. like in November normally. Yes. Yeah, it isn't. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just a great time. But So that's what I did. I went back to um, the the meetings at Shytag with Stripes. And um, Mary then had started, um, well, I mean, we would call it speed dating. I think she called it speed meeting. And it was brutal because you had like, I thought it was 60 seconds. I mean, sometimes, you know, no, most times it, at these uh, speed dating events between inventors and publishers, you get three minutes or five minutes if you're lucky, but this was 60 seconds because it's just huge. You know, she, there were all these tables just lined up and all the inventors have their, um, their games or their toys just all set up. And the um, the publishers would go from table to table, and there was a you know there's a timer, and, and there I forget what they were doing if um, somebody was just announcing on a microphone or if they're blowing a horn or what they were doing. But every sixty seconds, they're moving along, so you had to be fast. And um, if they if they were interested, you know you had your business card there, and you would exchange business cards and. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a few nibbles and um, Sherry Spiro of Breaking Games was one of them. And we, you know, after this event, uh, we were able to meet up later on that evening and just hit it off. And um, she took the game to play and uh, it was, uh, you know, very exciting for me. And then, you know, like a week or two later after, you know, she's been playing the game, you know, she just, she'd call me and, you know, like, eight o'clock at night. Oh, I have a question about these rules. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was how I met Sherry and got it signed with breaking games. That is so cool. I will say for anyone out there, if you are thinking about joining one of these speed dating or (laughs) speed pitching events, whatever they're called, I would recommend it because I've also had a game signed through it as well. So definitely check it out and apply. Like worst case, you don't get it that time. You get it the next time. Yeah. And you make a lot of great contacts. I agree. I also want to jump on the Mary train love. Uh, She's awesome. (laughs) Um, It's incredible to create those kinds of opportunities for 
both new and old designers. Yes. Going back to uh, Stripes a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, what did you find special about the design um, as you kind of look back on it? What's the thing that sticks out to you that sort of just gives you that glow when you think about it? Um, just the how unique it is, you know, that it, it really, I, I still don't think there's anything out there quite like it. So... Yeah, it's just the uniqueness of it. And it's so compelling to have something unique in what so many call, <laughs> like, there are so many games and there's so many things to choose from to be able to create something that you feel like really stands out and has mm-hmm. this unique table presence and is also uh, something you created. I mean, that's really cool uh, in, in this era. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the table presence, um, once Breaking Games took it over and uh, the Wes is the one that worked on it there, he just really took it to the next level. You know, I I don't, I'm not an artist and, I, you know, I don't do graphic design, but it's just phenomenal what he did with it. It just looks fantastic. Yeah, that's so great, Maxine. Mm-hmm. As we... Uh, I guess, yeah, take a look back at the entire lifespan of Stripes from uh, Shy Tag to Protospiel to your original kind of napkin sketch. Can you give us maybe just a rough estimate about how long it took to go from the inspiration of Stripes to the final publication? Yeah, it was a long time. Um, so I think the idea was probably probably around 2014 because it was before we went to our first protospiel, which that was in mm-hmm. 15. And right, then, okay. um, then it took, let's see. Um, when then where did I go back to? Well, I guess it was 15 that I went back to shy tag and met Sherry and um, got it signed the next year, 2016. But um, oh, that, that was a long time in coming. She had quite the backlog. So it wasn't until 19 that it got published. So, so five years, five years and waiting's the hardest part. Let me tell you. <laughs> Hopefully worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For all the listeners out there. Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, feel sad if it takes that long or or longer. Yeah. 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 Well, and they always say that, you know, once a publisher gets your game that, you know, probably it'll take about two years before it gets out. Um, I think mine was probably more like three, but um, the hard part was going to Protospiel after it'd been signed. And I'm telling everybody, he's like, oh, Breaking Game signed it. And then every Protospiel after that, it's like, oh, well, how stripes? Is it out yet? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not yet. So oh, like, I feel that on a personal level right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it's out there now. So that's good. Yeah. At least you get to say that you signed a game and say what it was called and say who you signed it with. Cause mm-hmm. NDAs are not fun in mass market. That's one fun thing about signing on that side is you never get to talk about anything until a press release comes out. Ah, yeah. Sounds like you're under an NDA right now, huh? 
Oh, I'm on three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So just like looking back and looking at the game now that it's out and about and in the world and it's been a while, uh, are people still playing it? Or are you still seeing it like selling and at conventions? So I don't know. It, it The, the uh, one thing is it didn't go into stores. It's online only, which was, a, it's a little bit of a disappointment. Um, it is still selling, you know, I'll, I'll get my, um, my little royalty checks. So I'm just, I'm kind of hoping that it'll be a sleeper hit and it'll turn into an evergreen someday. Cause I don't know. Um, I, I wish I could help it along with, um, I'm just not a good social media person and I don't yeah. promote things. I, you know, that's why we got out of the self-publishing business is because we couldn't, you know, sell our own games. And that's why I, you know, signed with, uh, signed with a publisher, but I, I keep thinking that, you know, I really should build my social media presence and, you know, get stripes out there and kind of help it along a little bit more. That definitely is something that a lot of designers don't think about is that almost self-advertising because some designers are just really good at it and others you wouldn't even know that they're attached to the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not uh, a person that likes to be in the center of attention and I find it hard to self-promote, but I know I need to, to do that some more. So, so I appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. This is great. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. So as you look back on your experience, what was your favorite moment in both the design and publication? And then what was your most challenging moment as you went through this process? Well, as I, as I mentioned, the favorite was just, um, I loved staying involved with the um, development of the game after it was signed and, you know, collaborating with Peter Vaughn and, you know, going through all the play testing. I just, I just loved that. That was, I wasn't sure that I would have been able to get that at other publishers. Maybe yes, maybe no. I, I just don't have that um, experience to know that, but I really appreciated that. Um, and then the least favorite thing, well, I've already mentioned that too. It's just waiting, you know, it, it's, uh, takes a long time from inception to publication and it, it's, it's hard to wait. You gotta, you learn patience. That's for sure. I guess that's something everyone needs a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great way to put it too. Yeah. No, no blame pointed by any means anywhere. Um, everyone's busy, yeah, especially companies. So I'm glad that you were able to uh, keep yourself busy with with other games, perhaps. In fact, that's maybe our next question for you, Maxine, is uh, do you tend to design towards card games or are you kind of maybe currently looking to uh, work with other components or things like that? Uh, well, I do like cards, but um, I, it's, I did uh, a, a dice game for the, um, oh, the, the Game Crafter, do you remember the, uh, 
Is it the master book where everybody submitted like designs for the two pages? No, no, I thought it, oh, it was the roll and write challenge. Oh, and that yeah, was, you're like post game. What did yes. it end up getting renamed? <laughs> uh, well, I, I was calling it parcel posts because, okay. um, you know, this is again my very weak <laughs> slapping a theme <laughs> on a game, on an abstract game. So you were building fences, you're putting your, your posts down and building fences. Um, but uh, yeah, I ended up renaming that. Uh, now it's called Dots and Plots. And I'm, I'm out pitching that to publishers and I'm getting some, some good feedback on that. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah. So after that, um, you know, actually now I'm looking again at, at the Game Crafter, their small box challenge. Um, I, yeah, I'm kind of going back to cards. That, that's, that's my jam. It's always good to know your jam. Yeah, yeah nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. Oh, man. And so since, I mean, your husband, Randy, uh, mm-hmm. runs the local meetup. And so that is going to be starting up in person again, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's, if, if he was saying end of July, but I don't know, it might even be this month, it might be oh. end of June. See, and for all the guests listening, Ben and I have both play tested with Maxine and with Randy in the past in the Chicago area. But I also, I mean, I met you guys at, I think it was the Indianapolis Proto Spiel for the first yeah. time. Yeah, I yeah. think it was. So yeah. to be out of the state to find out about your guys' local meetup. Right, right. It's so funny. Yeah. But have you found that just going to those different like playtesting conventions and the local meetups, has that really helped your design? Absolutely helps the design, but it also helps to have like a deadline. You know, it's like, because you can put things off, but it's like, yeah. oh, oh, that's coming up next week. I better pull that out and work on that some more. I, I really kind of need that. So it's almost like homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Because, I mean, there's just so many other things to do. Um you know, during the pandemic, I, I got talked into running for the condo board <laughs> and uh, I ended up as president. So now I've got a, oh a couple other things filling my time. But uh, yeah, so I, I definitely like having um, testing, play test dates on the calendar to, to inspire me to, to keep moving. Well, congratulations, Madam President. Well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and you've also started another endeavor, the um, Clever Playing Cards. I'm, in, I'm wondering what inspired the start of, of Clever Playing Cards and what would you share as the, the goal of your company? Well, actually, Clever Playing Cards, that Randy and I started that way back, like 2003. And, and as I said, that's when we, we self-published our couple of games. And that was the company name that we had then. But we've just kept that, that name, even though, you know, all the games that we do now are not necessarily cards. And how did, how did you go about publishing the games back when you were doing those? Oh, well, we just, we went to a lot of different printers. You know, we got a lot of you know, quotes and how much it would cost. And um, boy, it's been so long. I hardly even remember that. But uh, yeah, we just found places that would print cards and got some quotes and 
next thing you know, we have a uh, a truck delivering a pallet to our house, and and then we still have those games because we don't know how to sell them. That was going to be my follow up question: yep. is where you sell them? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's why we have the website. But again, you know, not having a social media savvy or presence, you know, we're not driving any traffic to the website. So, so if anybody would like to buy a, a card game, go to cleverplayingcards.com. There you go. <laughs> Actually, I mean, they're pretty cool. What's that? Oh, no, I was going to say you are getting so good at social media all of a sudden, like as of this podcast, yeah. you're putting yourself forward and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, so glad, so glad to have that arc, even in the course of uh, this past hour here. Keep going. Oh, OK. <laughs> um, actually, but, you know, it, it seems like things are, are coming to me. And, and I guess that's a good thing, too. It's like, um, you know. Danielle asked me if I wanted to do the podcast and that's great. And, um, you know, something else I'll plug is that, you know, I'll be judging the XYZ quarks design challenge with, uh, uh, Ben Moy and, uh, Joe Slack. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's great that, yeah, I have some opportunities coming my way that that's, that's really good. That is so cool because, I mean, we had the XYZ Game Lab, all of them on our show, and they kind of talked about their Quark series. Mm -hmm. How did you end up finding that opportunity? Well, actually, they they asked me. Um, I know um, I know those guys from all the playtest groups. They were uh, they were going up to Schaumburg at the Gaming Goat, where that's where Randy's uh, monthly game meetup would be, and. Uh, so yeah, that's where we met them. And then, you know, they come to Protospiel. So, you know, we just kind of run into them here and there. Something I miss about the Chicago area is just all the interconnections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Not that, uh, those interconnections and attending Protospiel has to be your answer, Maxine, but if you could offer one piece of advice to designers, what would it be? Oh, I can't say go to Protospiel? Oh, Ben. You, you absolutely can. If you, <laughs> you want to, you know, throw in an extra one, that's fine as well. Yeah, not going to stop you either well, way. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, because that, that's the thing. It, you know, you just, the play testing, because that, we didn't do that initially. Um, and once we found play testers and Protospiel, it's like, mm -hmm. that's when things just really started to click for us. It, it's, yeah. Um, so if you can go to, you know, if not a protospiel, find a, a, you know, a local play test group, find other designers to play your games with you. I think that that's the best thing that you can do. I completely agree. Also, I mean, you create that network and just having someone to message or talk mm -hmm. about a design. Like if you have something and you're stuck on it, it doesn't mean that you need to get a co-designer, but like just having a group to bounce ideas off of is invaluable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know you've already mentioned a few different things you're kind of working on, but is there anything that you have not spoken about or you want to plug before we wrap up the episode? No, I think everything got plugged. Um, the, the judging for XYZ design challenge. And uh, actually, 
Wow. I was debating whether or not I should ask Ben. It's like, uh, is, uh, is JT ever going to finish judging the um, Roll and Write Challenge? I they- wish I knew. I wish I had the answer. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think as um, the restrictions are being lifted, yeah, uh, from what I understand, they are doing uh, them like in, in the office, which is really cool. So with any luck in the next, uh, hopefully, few weeks, maybe few months. Wow. Uh, we'll get yeah. a definite answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause they had, they had started before the pandemic, like the November of 19. Oh, was it? Okay. The, I think that's when the, the contest opened. And then I think they closed entries in February and they got through the first couple of rounds, you know, the semifinals and the finals, and then the pandemic hit and it's mm-hmm. like, nothing yeah so that's exactly just on hold since then pretty yeah, much. yeah so well over a year yeah I, i'm just I, you know i keep debating if i should uh, give him any grief about it or not <laughs> well if we've thus learned f- anything thus far i've left him alone <laughs> <laughs> if we've learned anything from your uh you being here maxine it's that patience is a virtue and patience, even if it takes yes. three years oh yeah i mean ah, oh my god <laughs> let's, let's not uh prepare that much for the worst but uh yeah she's like i'm just hoping that game okay. gets before that <laughs> yeah yeah that's right maybe i'll get it signed before then well thank you for joining us for this episode of game design unboxed inspiration to publication episode 18 stripes Thanks again, Maxine, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a wonderful time. Thank you. Same for us. Uh, For anyone who's looking to find you, where can you be reached? And this is social media plug. Okay. Well, I I have the outlets. I just don't use them. So um, on Facebook, we're at Clever Playing Cards. Um, On Twitter, it's CPC Games, and we have our website, cleverplayingcards.com. And uh, I can be reached at Maxine at cleverplayingcards.com. Wonderful. Great. You have more social media than I do, Maxine. So props well, to you. <laughs> yes, I, like I said, I've, I've got it, I just don't use it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you again. Uh, This is your host, Denise. You can find me on Twitter at year 23. And then this is Danielle, one of your other hosts. And you can find me on Facebook at DMR Creative Group, on Twitter at Creative DMR, or on Instagram as Token Gamer. And that's G-A-Y-M-E-R. And I'm Ben Moy. You can find me on Facebook at your friend Ben Moy Designs Board Games. Great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. This has been another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.